Hello, dear friends. Welcome to this evening talk brought to you by the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth and Poole Christian Spiritualist Church. I am Fabrício Assunção from the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth. We broadcast many Spiritist studies online each week in English or Portuguese. If you'd like to take part or tune in to our activities, please go to our Facebook page for further details. For our presentation tonight, we are honored to have our guest speaker, Andrea Marshall. Andrea is a volunteer at the Conscience Living Spiritist Group in Miami in the United States, and it's the director of events for the Spiritist Federation of Florida. We send a warm welcome to you, Andrea, and thank you very much for being our guest speaker tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Fabrizio and Laurie. Thank you. Thank you. The subject of Andrea's talk is spiritual responsibility. This is one of our series of fortnightly talks exploring the psychological series of books by the spirit of Joanna Angelis, which was psychographed by the famous spiritist medium Divaldo Franco. Through Divaldo's mediumship, the spirit of Joanna has written hundreds of spiritual works during the last 40 years. Before we start, um, Andrea's presentation, let us go to our friend Lawrence Saville at the Pool Christian Spiritualist Church for our opening prayer. Over to you, Lawrence. Thank you, Fabrizio, and good evening and welcome, everybody. So we can just find that time now just to still our minds, just to still our thoughts, link in with that divine thread that runs through all of creation. And give thanks for being here at this time. Give thanks for being on this material plane at such a time when so many challenges and so many opportunities arise. We do not incarnate by mistake. We incarnate through choice. So let us link in and find out why. Find out that purpose. Find out that understanding of why we chose this time to be here in the now, to join in with nights such as these, to expand our consciousness, to engage our spirituality, and to meet friends old and new. And in that energy and in that blessing, we look forward to tonight this joining of distances, bringing together these knowledges, these understandings, these thoughts to stimulate our own, all in the aid of progression and of service. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lawrence. Now it's my great pleasure to hand over to Andrea Marshall for her talk on spiritual responsibility. Over to you, Andrea. Thank you so much, Fabrizio and Lari. Thank you for this invitation. It is truly, truly an honor to be connected uh, with you all once again tonight, this afternoon, like we are in Miami Beach, wherever you might be. It is truly, truly an honor. I am very grateful to be able to bring today's um, reflection related to spiritual responsibilities. We uh, just wanted to point out the three books that we used for our reflection today. 
Um, I'm not sure if Fabrizio can share that or Laurie so that you can know, but we actually use uh, Prelude to the Divine Kingdom by the spirit author Amelia Rodriguez, psychographed, channeled by Devaldo Franco, as well as A Light in the Darkness by Joana de Angelis, spirit author, and also our medium, Devaldo Franco, and lastly, but not least, The Gospel According to Spiritism. The conversation found on Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 30, was profound and filled with meaning. Teacher, said the rich young man, what good things must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you enter, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired, and Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. He answered, All of these I have kept. What do I still lack? Through a strange intuition, that rich young man knew that he would be face to face one day with the reality, with capital R, and he knew that he was facing it finally. In that afternoon, Amelia Rodriguez will say the air was stifling, nature stood still. The appeal lingered resonating all around when Jesus said, if you are willing to be perfect, go, sell all you have, and give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. The voice, that sweet magnetism of Jesus, pierced like a sharp blade and permeated in the air like a sweet perfume. That unmistakable presence and magnetism of Christ, admitting those words, made him shake as he stared into those deep eyes. The rich young man was thirsting for peace. He had all, materially speaking. He attended to his personal responsibilities, yet he felt downhearted. He wasn't happy. Something was definitely missing in his life. Nonetheless, after that final, the final comment from Christ, he stopped. He thought about his life. His villa was luxurious, his possessions magnificent, yet he knew his heart was empty. While the youth was all about happiness, about parties, about constant invitations to the delights of life, he yearned for higher aspirations, for the total attainment for peace. Afflicted and distraught at that moment, he was unaware of the causes of his persistent melancholy, the sadness that dissolved his dreams and hopes under the grasp of some indescribable agony. Amelia Rodriguez would state that he knew about the competitions coming up in Caesarea, but he did not know if the pursuit meant an accomplishment for him or escape from something much deeper in his life. For the first time, he felt confused. 
The gentleness and the command of that voice emanating from the master echoed in the depth of his soul. Inwardly, he was shouting, I will go with you, Lord, but, but he was still hesitant. And the hour, that moment, did not allow for any doubt. Everything at that specific moment where the invitation was made was important. More than that, it was vital. Imagine us in front of the master and stating that we are fulfilling all of our obligations, all of our responsibilities of the men in the world. Yet he looks at us and tells us, come and follow me and be the men in the world and not of it, not belonging to it, rather fulfilling that which is a lot more profound and deep in the spiritual context. He saw him from afar before the dialogue took place. When he met his gaze, the two of them looking at each other, he felt naked. His heart was pounding fast. Unusual emotions never felt before vibrated within his soul. He wanted to drop to the ground and this incontrollable chest tightness crushing him made him want to weep. Yet he saw, he saw the master smiling as if waiting for him, as if he loved him and he was certain that he did. Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go, sell everything, donate it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. Let me, he was able to say, overcoming that emotion that transfigured him. Let me first go and compete in the games in Caesarea to win the prizes for Israel. I cannot wait, Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven starts today and now for your spirit. There is no time to lose. But I waited for so long, the rich young man said, for this event. I've spent a fortune on the horses, on the equipment. I have trained so hard. Renounce everything, he said. Come and follow me. He wanted to flee. He wanted to stay. He felt utterly distressed with this unknown turmoil pounding him. This is when Amelia Rodriguez would say that he felt the horizontality of human afflictions encountering the verticality of divine sublimation. Oh, wow. The emotions that he was feeling, fighting an overwhelming fear, the rich prince, continue. I can give everything I have, money, gold, jewels, titles if necessary. That would be easy, but he still didn't get it. And Jesus said, give me of yourself and I will offer you everlasting bliss. What a high reward, he thought, and what a price to pay. He thought about his age, that youth, the riches of youth, the vibrant treasures of vanities and fancies, the family honors upheld in traditions, the pleasing admirers and flatterers. Would it be necessary to renounce all of that, he thought. He looked at the master and the silence spoke with the answer portrayed in his eyes. Yes, that would be necessary. The dialogue was no longer possible. 
Driven by a strange and abrupt impulse, the rich young man decided to go away. He said, I can't. I can't follow you now. Forgive me and love me. And left almost running, fearful that if he stayed one more second, perhaps he would give in. A week later in Caesarea, that capital of leisure was bright and vibrant with the event that was taking place. The public festivities started with the joyful sounds of thorns and salutes. Chariot competitions opened the races. With lashing in the air, hands tied on the reins, the charioteers sped up in their fragile vehicle. And during a less fortunate maneuver, a chariot specific with a rich young man flipped over, breathing uneasily, feeling the blood and the sweat on his face, he thought of him. A slave was quick to remove him from the race pathway as to not be completely destroyed by the horses and the wheels of those that were coming behind him. Silencing the scream in the acoustic shell of his body, he had the impression of hearing him yet again, renounce everything, come and follow me. Dear friend, he thought, and as he closed his eyes, he felt two invisible arms embracing him and taking him with him. It is a beautiful story that sort of makes us think about the aspect of responsibility in one's life. As an adult, we have the concerns about what that entails exactly. When we are children, we think about the type of lifestyle that we will have as a grown-up, that ideal profession, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, the ideal marriage with a partner who would love us and the children that would come after that. It is the ideal image that in reality, unless the person is aligned with the need to fulfill the spiritual responsibilities, something will stay amiss. And perhaps we too have been hearing for over 2000 years ago, renounce all and follow me the vices, seek the virtues, and one that comes to mind, walk while you have the light, so that the darkness does not overtake you, found in John chapter 12, verse 35. After reading the book, On the Way to a World of Regeneration, it's a book that is, be, is going to be coming out in maybe two to three weeks, Psychographed by Divaldo Franco, by the spirit author Manuel Filomeno de Miranda, we are provided with a view of our world prior to the pandemic. It talks about constantly paying attention to our individual and collective responsibilities as a whole. Here we are reincarnated, and because of the liberating message of spiritism, that came 164 years ago, today we are able to say that we are walking with the light. Walk while you have the light, the knowledge, that which makes everything clear so that darkness does not overtake you. And in this book, Manuel Filomeno de Miranda comes to us to talk to us about 
the mess that has been created in the world and our collective responsibilities, spiritual responsibilities for what we have seen. He goes on to describe that as they were looking at the earth, our planet, from the spirit colony, they could see it enveloped by darkness. He would say that basically there was a massive mantle of darkness, fruit of those somber spiritual fluids that came from the harmful mental emanations of its inhabitants, all of us, globally speaking. It's as if we are home, children, and our Father is calling upon us to fulfill the responsibilities entrusted upon us, to clean our room, to put everything in its place, to organize, to be mindful of what is expected out of each and every one of us. Individual responsibility, collective responsibility. 164 years ago, Spiritism came with the gospel according to Spiritism, the Spirit's book, a lot of the other books that we have available to us to basically bring information so that incarnated at the time of transition where our planet is changing, we are also called upon to be mindful of with the conditions of our planet so that we could eventually be heirs of the earth, meaning being, having the merit the right to be in the world of regeneration. It is basically an invitation that we have with the information contained to lift ourselves from our lower condition by acquiring a higher understanding about life, about our duties, which the gospel according to Spiritism will state is a moral obligation, first towards oneself and then immediately towards someone else. Duty, they will tell us, Lazar, the spirit will say, is found in the smaller details as well as in the most elevated responsibilities. He is not talking about the type of duty imposed by professions, but rather the moral duty, which can only be attained by the individuals who have already awakened to their spiritual responsibilities. There is a reason why Joana Gianjali constantly talks to us about inner reform and transformation, bringing about aspects of conflict, existential conflicts in our lives so that we may work out the knots that we have made from previous reincarnation to reach the plenitude that we so much aspire to. People's inner duty is left to their own free will. Our own inner duty is left to our own free will. So we are going to find that we have within us a guardian of inner integrity. It's called the sting of conscience that warns us, that upholds us, but is held back often powerless because of our passions, because of the need to reach immediate pleasures forgetting about the immortality and paying attention only to that which brings material joy, much like that rich young man. It's the conflict, do I stay or do I go? The horizontality with the verticality, where do I go? And so Lazarus will say that when faithfully obeyed, 
The duty of the heart uplifts people. But how is it determined? How does it begin? Where does it end? And he will answer us. Duty begins precisely at the point in which we threaten someone's happiness or peace of mind, and it ends at the limit we would not want to see surpass regarding ourselves. It is what he will call the practical summary of all moral speculations. The courage of the soul confronting the distresses of life's struggle. It is the realization that what is expected of us today as reaching a spiritual maturity, therefore being able to accomplish certain responsibilities, is here now because of what we have brought from a previous existence. How empowering is Spiritism to let us know that we have in our hands a tool to try to develop this sense of awareness, to try to work out the issues that we encounter. When we are placed in a home and family members are difficult and they try to drag out the very worst in us because of who they are, yet we fail to understand that we are there to help each other out as much as they're there to help us out. It is interesting to see that duty is posed as that which brings courage to the soul, to be able to confront it, face it, without fear, all of life's situations. It talks about being that which allows us to try to adapt to the diverse complications that we have within our existence, but that it is unbending before temptation. It is that little voice in our conscience that tells us what we should and should not do. Lazar will say that people who fulfill their duty love God more than they love other individuals, and they love others more than they love themselves. Love God above all and your neighbor as yourself. There isn't a greater responsibility placed upon us than that commandment that was brought over 2,000 years ago. It is the love of duty that allows us to try to preserve us against the evils, the mistakes, the mishaps of life. We can't avoid them, yet it provides us with the strength and needs to develop the virtues of our soul. Duty, they will tell us, growing radiates under a more elevated form at each of the stages of humanity. He will say to us, individuals' moral obligations toward God never ceases. They should reflect the virtues of the eternal one who does not accept an imperfect sketch because he wants the beauty of his work to be resplendent before him. And he brought us this message in 1863. This is why Joana de Angelis will say, human beings are what they make of themselves. It lies within to search for what gives our life purposes, what is of vital importance, especially concerning the soul. In a light in the darkness, she states that any and all activities that we assume become duties demanding responsibility. So if we decide to be a person that brings on a type of profession that is to assist others, we see 
that it becomes a duty demanding responsibility, spiritual responsibility. It doesn't matter which activity we assume in life, we should command it, we should bring it as that which demands responsibility from us. And when we look at our own lives, appreciating it from a spiritist perspective, a spiritualist perspective, depending on who is listening, we start to understand that our physical existence entails for us multiple educational programs that are basically here to contribute to our moral and intellectual progress, moral and intellectual development. For this reason, we find our reincarnation as that extraordinary opportunity to try and fulfill our responsibilities, what we planned for prior to reincarnating, trying to make amends for past mistakes, correcting any wrongdoings and bringing about the moral rehabilitation for our souls. This is why planet Earth is considered sometimes to be a hospital. We go to a hospital sometimes, a clinic, to bring rehabilitation, whether it's about someone who is endured an injury, whether it's someone who's trying to overcome a vice, we find clinics that work with patients to do just that in our home, our planet, the place that we have been stationed to temporarily at this moment is that clinic. We were invited to work out these type of situations. How many lives, how many lives have I lived? I thought about this when we were creating this study for today. Being like children, unaware of the responsibilities pertaining to our growth. Or worse yet, being aware of this responsibility pertaining to our growth, yet ignoring it. Thinking about, no, maybe I'll do it later. Much like we did when we were kids and our parents told us, to clean our room, to do our homework. And we would say, no, I will do it later. And later we would face the consequences for not doing what we needed to do. So here we are, walk while you have the light so that darkness does not overtake you, said the master. We can't afford to be reckless with the investments that have been made on our behalf. Really? Investments being made on our behalf? Most definitely. Wherever we might find ourselves, whatever situation we encounter, we know that we never were alone. From the moment we started planning this physical existence with a benevolent spirit who look after us, who would guide us in telling us the best type of activities to assume in this present reincarnation. After diving into the flesh, they continue with us, calling upon us to wake up, to be ready for that sun, the dawn of a new era, which we have with spiritism today. Being unable to hit that snooze button, we don't have time to lose. It is time to assume the spiritual responsibilities. Joana de Angelis will tell us in the book, A Light in the Darkness. According to the severity of each occurrence, there is a specific course of action meant to rebalance the individual's lucidity, foster discipline, and promote happiness. When a lot of people 
might hear these type of things and saying, wow, spiritism promotes suffering and unhappiness. In reality, she comes to tell us that our reincarnation is never meant to be punitive. It is not something that we are going to be punished for. But when the suffering is present, basically the affliction derived from suffering is a discomfort calling our attention to order. That's what that is about. It is the discomfort calling ourselves to discipline, to responsibility, and to duty as well. Responsibility, Joana de Angelis will say, to develop the intelligence, the emotion, the discernment, all of which is needed in the process of future illumination, of spiritual ascendancy. This is what this is about. And while we are there, it is in developing the solidarity, love, and genuine fraternity which is needed for the healing of our world today. So trials, testimonies, necessary corrections, expiations sometimes do arise, and they are all aligned with the great natural divine laws that rules the soul anywhere it might find itself. We can talk about the law of progress. We can talk about cause and effect. We can talk about the law of reincarnation, all of it. But what we find is that in reality, there is a beautiful, beautiful teaching contained in spiritism, which is without charity, there is no salvation, aligned with the great law of love, justice, and charity. Perhaps this is what led some people to come and talk to us about one of the most beautiful aspect of spiritual responsibility, which is to be of service towards other. Albert uh, Schweitzer was one of them. He said, I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who will have sought and found how to serve. Interesting that he said that, right? So Joana de Angelou state that we, as an adult, aware already and conscientious about our responsibilities, we have to make the decision to live our lives with joy, regardless of what situation might be. Even the not so happy times, she tells us, must be faced with the ethical, moral behavior of those who have already found Jesus. Renounce yourself, come and follow me. 2,000 years ago, we keep hearing the same invitation. Every time he healed someone, Jesus would place the spiritual responsibility upon their shoulders when he said, go and don't sin anymore. Go and don't act in the way that brought the illness in the first place. It's a responsibility placed upon the one who has already encountered Christ. It is that deep voice that resonates and awakens our inner divine essence, which is fundamental for us to seek a life that is lived with joy, even when suffering is present. It sounds weird, right? But Joana Jangeli basic tells us that we are to face it with optimism, never allowing pessimism to take in, to take place, to draw away our energy but rather to be faithful until the very end. She will state that the fulfillment of our duties as citizens, 
family members, and moral individuals help us acquire spiritual responsibilities. And when we do that, when we transform within, we end up assisting those that we encounter as well. Manuel Filomeno de Miranda, in a book called, sorry, I'm missing the title, Psychiatric and Spirit Obsession Disorder, tells us about this aspect of responsibility and fulfillment of our duty as a blessing that we can never ever find the worth in our life. It demonstrates a psychological maturity and moral responsibility. He says that duty becomes a virtue when its objective is the fulfillment of a benefit of a duty that benefits others socially. Individual responsibility, collective responsibility. Walk while you have the light, he said. With Jesus, we learn the duties of solidarity. Realizing that the happiness of our neighbors is of vital importance. Love God above all in your neighbors as yourself. When we commit to these types of moral obligations, we are going to find that there is a prospect of invaluable moral growth that opens its doors to us. And the manner in which we perform defines as well our personal future, our life in the future. It is about the immortality of our soul. However, only through inner conscientiousness will we be able to understand the duties towards ourselves, towards society and life as well. So the idea is to take advantage of the gift of time, the reincarnation that we have received by doing spiritually constructive work, whatever that might be. I remember a situation in which my husband had the opportunity to have a fraternal dialogue at the Spiritist Center with this couple, this man who was young and good looking and filled with riches, but there was something empty inside. When we find that there is a void, when something is just not right, it is that moment that we stop and we start analyzing our own existence, our own lives. Where is it headed? Where is it going? What is expected of me? We know the voices of those benevolent spirits, high order spirits, who try to guide us, who try to comfort us. We know about also the voices of the inferior nature ones who try to deviate us from what is expected from us in life. This is why we are going to find the benevolent spirit Manuel Filomeno de Miranda stating for us, it is the spiritist's responsibility to cooperate in the progress of humankind by practicing charity in its most far-reaching out sense. Benevolence towards everyone, indulgence towards the imperfection of others, and forgiveness for the offenses. He will say, just as Jesus, our guide and model, taught, it was without prejudice of any kind as to color, ethnicity, gender, creed, or economic, social, or moral standing. The Spiritist's responsibility to cooperate for the betterment of society, 
Because the spiritist, the true spiritist, is the one who is going to try and make an effort to combat, to fight against the vices that still holds he or she back. It is that sense of duty that tells him or her that as much as others are observing us all around, we have what Paul of Tarsus would call a cloud of testimonies, people who are watching us in the spirit world as well, trying to see if we are walking the talk or if we are simply throwing out empty words into the winds and not doing what is expected of us. This is why we could close our eyes at this moment and imagine Christ before us as it happened with that defiable moment of the rich young man's life, calling upon us to renounce ourselves and follow him. Renounce oneself from vanity, from pride, from greed, trying to see each other as brothers and sisters in humanity, trying to fulfill the responsibilities that we embraced prior to reincarnating, and perhaps just perhaps we might arrive in the spirit world, whether it's tonight, whether it's tomorrow, we don't know when we will be called home, but so that we could be home in the spirit realm, realizing that maybe we were able to accomplish at, little, at least a little bit of our spiritual responsibilities, our duties. On that note, dear friends, I see here some of your comments I send you my hug with much gratitude for the opportunity to share the reflections that we brought here today. And I'm glad to see our hosts already back here um, with Laurie and Fabricio. And I'll throw it back to you guys, the word. Oh, we can't hear you, Fabricio. Sorry, the quote of the year, you're on mute. <laughs> what a beautiful evening, Andrea. Thank you very much. So touching your story that you just shared with us. And I've been thinking it resonates so well with what we are going through at the moment with all the situation with the pandemic and our responsibility that we all been caught up um, throughout this pandemic and not just our individual responsibility but our collective yeah, responsibility too. Such a good reminder of what our, our responsibilities are. Really, really good. Um, I'm gonna say to our friends on Facebook that has been listening, um, if you want to ask any question, we're gonna go through a quick questions and answer. If is that okay with you, Andrea? Sure, if I don't know the answer, I'll ask you and Laurie to answer for me. <laughs> sure, it's good. I see, I see Elsa connected, our dear friend, Marion. Elsa Lee, nice, Gabriel, very nice, very nice. We got a message from Gabriel. It says, um, it's not easy to live in this planet full of temptation. I hardly try to find at least the balance. Thanks God, I have this blessed doctrine to help me out. I don't know what would be of my soul without it. Thanks a million for this message. Uh, Gabriel, you and I are on the very same boat. I often say this, I don't know. I don't know how um, my life would be without the Spiritist teaching and message 
um, and trying to know oneself and, and see a body of knowledge that is not here to point of fingers at our imperfection, but rather inviting us to work through them and try to resist it for we know it's for our own good. Removing this idea that unless we are able to do so, you know, we are going to be suffering for all eternity. That was never the message, but rather try to work out. And the spirits will tell Alain Kardec that we could do that if we only applied a little bit of effort. It's not even a lot. It's just a little bit. And I think Gabriel and I are already doing that, but it is hard because we bring so much content, so much baggage, if we want to call it this way, from previous existences. And some people sometimes have the desire to find out what they were and what they did in the past life. But all we need to do is just look in the mirror and really do a sincere and honest reflection about oneself, what moves us, what we like, what our desires might be. And we will find out exactly where we need to work. And I always consider that this life is the most important one. It is the defining one. Have you considered to be reincarnated at a time of transition where we are, you know, close to the to a world of regeneration? Some of us being given a last opportunity to reincarnate on the planet, to be able to be inheriting uh, the world, right? In the words of Christ. So. I don't know. I always talk, uh, make a joke that we uh, we were given the golden ticket, like it does on Wally Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> right? We were given that ticket, and um, we have the opportunity to be here, and we are in the VIP area. We can either sit back and watch, or we can get up and do our work and also partake in the betterment of the world while we also work in the betterment of ourselves, right? So. But it's hard. It is really hard. And uh, spiritism has contributed to my life for 31 years now. Without it, I'm not sure where I would be. Thank you, Drea. So next comment we have here from Elsa. Um, so much food for thoughts. Wonderful. And her question is, how can we find this charity to make the right decision in situations like that? Is she talking about charity as understood by Christ, benevolence, indulgence, or forgiveness, or is she talking about service for others? Regardless, we can we can talk about both, right? Because some people do look for something that they should do, and it's interesting to see sometimes even schools encouraging uh, kids and teenagers to become involved in the community and do something good for someone else. Whether it's you know sending a card to sick kids in hospitals, whether it's going to uh, nursing homes and you know being with the elderly, uh, we find thankfully that in society we have more and more people encouraging kids and teenagers to seek something outside of themselves, um, and we do find adults looking for the same thing because it's interesting. Stephen Post said that doing good makes us feel good, and there is a chemical. A component that does take place in the brain, like when you eat a piece of chocolate or whatever you like, there is a, a process of gratification, something that feels good, that tastes good, so you want to repeat it. And when you do something that makes you feel that way as when you help someone, the feeling that you get inside, and I'm not talking about the feeling like when you do, um, you know, charitable work and you're like taking a selfie at the same time. I'm talking about that which people can't see. Only it's between you and Christ. 
that's a type of work where you feel that the one who you're helping is the one helping you. You make them feel that way by empowering them and showing them their humanity, their integrity, that they are important. So to serve others in reality is to try to lift them up also and make them feel equal, equal. And we don't see a lot of that happening sometimes. It's still that situation where you're looking down. I think it was Emmanuel or Andrea Luis who said, if you're going to look down at someone, it's just because they're on the floor falling and you're helping them up. That's the only time you look down at someone. So there are opportunities. We look for that which makes most sense to us. You know, if, if working with cancer patients is too hard, um, we can't endure to see someone suffering, then we know it's not for us. There's so much that can be done in the world. There is so much opportunity for volunteers. We had, um, at the end of last month, a collapsed building 10 minutes away from my home. I don't know if you guys saw that. It um, killed over 100 people. The building just uh, fell. It was demolished overnight. And um, a lot of people died. And it wasn't even two days. And they had food stations. I'm getting goosebumps because there were over 300 people working to feed the rescue team. There were people on the ground offering um, um, a space to dialogue with the family members. So it's beautiful to see how tragedy brings out the best in people, where it's kind of like waiting for an opportunity to do something good. So although it's awful and it's painful and it's an expiation, it's also a moment to develop the charitable actions. And then we see the other aspect of it as taught by Christ, benevolence, indulgence, and forgiveness. And it's a letter, right? It's those types of weights. If you work out, you know what I'm talking about? You start with five pounds, that's benevolence. Then you go to 10, you know, that's indulgence. And then the really heavy one is forgiveness. It's hard because some um, wounds are just too deep and it takes a while. It does take a while to work that out, but we need to address the wound. We need to clean up. We need to look for the right medication to apply so that it does start to heal, so that the little scab becomes smaller and smaller until it's no longer there. Only a little mark, because forgiving doesn't mean we forget, right? It is a tool for liberating ourselves. And eventually we will think about what happened um, with more clarity and understanding about the frailty of the ones who actually um, damaged us in a way. Um, some things are just too hard to forgive, and we know that. That's why Alberto Almeida, in the book called Forgiveness as the Way and the Way to Forgiveness, he talks about it as being a journey. It might take an entire lifetime. It might actually carry over to another life, as we've seen so much, so many times. But one of the things that we need to do is try to start working that out, because when you participate in a mediumistic meeting and you see spirits that are uh, considered obsessors and they've been persecuting and following someone and trying to bring, bring vengeance, um, sometimes they've crystallized that pain for centuries. It stays with them. It makes them unable to move, to seek uh, the, the pathway for joy, for restarting. And their pain is very real. And so in the mediumistic meeting, and by the way, this message uh, from Joanna Jange is called uh, Spiritual Responsibility. She brings another point of it, which is our work in the spirit center. The opportunities that we have been given 
um, the spiritual responsibilities that we have been giving, and one of them is the media mystic meeting, right? Where we are there and we realize what our roles are, but we also understand that it's an opportunity for learning from the spirits so that we don't incur in the same mistakes that they have. This is for our own happiness. This is for our own plenitude. Thank you, Andrea. I'm not sure if I answered our, our dear Elzinha's question, but hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, moving on to our next question. It's come from a dear friend, Sue. She says, Andrea, do you feel more people are becoming aware of the soul calling and listen to spiritual guidance and taking action, especially in a collective sense, as global family, expanding beyond religion? Most definitely, I do. The thing is, uh, you know, the social media and the news, they, they do a great job of bringing out only what is negative, what is bad happening in the world. But I do believe, uh, Sue, that more people are becoming more aware, especially um, during the pandemic. It's interesting that I joined um, some, you know, courses that were being given freely from some of the universities to try to help out people who are staying at home um, with nothing to do. And there were different religious groups getting together, talking about how the pandemic was a calling for us to pay attention to ourselves and to what has been happening as if the pandemic arrived as a scream to say, wake up, or better yet, this educational tool like a father would to throw everybody in their room and consider and think about what they did wrong to bring about a global pandemic that shook everyone. It wasn't just you know in one area, in one country, it was worldwide. It is still worldwide. So I do believe that there is a great number of people who are still very much uh, asleep in a state of sleep. They're not really, they're walking around like uh, sleepwalking is what Joanna de Angelis will say. Uh, but I do believe that a lot of people are um, becoming more and more aware about their soul calling. They're, they might not be listening to the spirit guidance um, in the sense that you and I might, but they might feel that intuition within them without really understanding what it is. And they will look uh, for the information so that it can fulfill the questions they may be having. I love the question that she ended with expanding beyond religion because religiosity is really important. It's what connects us to the creator. So it doesn't matter which one it is, as long as we are aware of the need of seeking this ver verticality that Joana Giangeli talks about, or Amelia Rodriguez, uh, sorry. Thank you. Um, we have got a new joiner tonight. So Mark Flexman, he says, this is my first attendance at such, a, at such an event. Brilliant. Thanks so much for allowing me to be part of this. So welcome, Mark. Be part of our big family. Welcome, Mark. <laughs> um, the next question uh, is come from our friend Bob Williams. He says, when we take responsibility for our mistakes or failures, what should we do to keep positive and not be depressed? Realize that mistakes are experiences and that's something that we don't do. We look at it as exactly that failure that we failed something. In reality, it's an experience that tells us what we should not have done, that brings us to where we are today. It's interesting that a lot of people will hold on to the things that they did wrong, 
without realizing that without it, they wouldn't be able to discern between what is right and what is wrong. Kind of like learning to walk. You start a little bit, you fall down, you hurt a little bit, you keep going. You start trying to develop your motor skills and what have you. Spiritually speaking, we do the very same thing. Now we have already learned how to walk and we've reached, Bob, what I like to call um, the spiritual young adulthood of our lives. We've already finished um, the teenage, spiritually speaking, years. We are already becoming more aware of the responsibilities that we have um, in our own lives. And so we look at mistakes and, and failures as simply experiences. That is one way to keep positive and not fall into depression. Realizing that sometimes a mistake is that one step that we needed to acquire a higher understanding about life. It might actually wake us up. The good thing about it is that when you fall, sometimes you fall forward, right? So you have no option. You have to get up and keep walking forward. So mistakes are experiences in our lives, and that's the way not to become depressed. Realizing that today I would never repeat what I did 5, 10, 15 years ago because I've already grown. And forgiveness for oneself is also very important. And when I'm able to do that, I do always say to seek also um, psychological assistance, you know, a psychologist, a coach, someone to walk us through it. Because sometimes we do have certain things that happened that we committed that it is just too hard to get over um, by ourselves, right? Sometimes shame takes place and there is no need for that. All of us make mistakes, and that's something else. When we start looking at each other in that way, compassion becomes even greater. You know, if I look at Fabricio, I feel like, you know, squeezing him. He's so dear, but he does something. He makes a mistake. I start looking at him with judgment. I forget that I, too, err, that I'm also imperfect, but I'm on the road to perfection much like he is. So we start looking at each other with more kindness, with more understanding with more maturity. And that's basically what um, fulfilling our responsibilities allows it to happen, is reaching this moral maturity that is needed for the new era. Thank you, Andrea. I checked. I think there is no more for the questions. So what I would like to do is to announce our next meeting, which is on the 30th of July. Our Next speaker is going to be Aroldo Drutre, and the topic is yet to be confirmed. So, um, just put in your note in your calendar the 30th of July, Aroldo Drutre will be here with us for our next Spiritist evening. Um, so, before um, we close the event, uh, Laurie and Andrea, is there any close remarks you'd like to make? No, I just want to say thank you, Fabrice and Lowry, for the opportunity. It is always great to be here. Thank you, Pam, uh, seeing some of the comments and feeling that um, in reality doing the studies is such a great thing because it puts one's uh, in contact with oneself and reflecting and thinking about um, all of what we brought. So thank you so much for inviting me and allowing me to be in this most sacred space that you have online. Thank you. Wonderful evening. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. And I do love the way spirit work because the opening prayer, I was no idea what I was saying. 
and it tied in absolutely beautiful. But yeah, it's, it, it, do you know what? The truth is always so easy and we make it complicated. It's love yourself and love everybody else. Full stop. You know? <laughs> but we go have to go and complicate it, don't we? Because we're human. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful evening. Thank you. Thank you, Lawrence. So, Lawrence, now um, I invite you for you to do first, please, the closing prayer. So once more, dear friends, find that source of the divinity within you, linking in with that God of your own understanding, and ask that we take away from this evening these words that have been spoken, given in and through love, for the benefit of mankind and that each time that we search our own souls that we can start using this amassed knowledge that we are being given to help us on that road to perfection on that road to oneness on that road to service for that which you have intended for all things amen Amen. So I would like to say a good evening to everybody who has been watching us. Thank you for being with us. And once again, Andrea, thank you very much for being with us. It's a, it has been such a great evening. Thank, thank, you. thank you very much. Thank you. Hugs and kisses to all. Bye-bye and good night, everybody. Good night.